Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Hey, welcome back, Julie. Are, you should be live. I unmuted you. So um, we are going to do a show that I just frankly thought of, and Julie, so the wonderful show that you've prepared for us, um, we'll push that off till tomorrow and Wednesday. So okay. is that good? Okay. I'm so fine. here's here's what we're gonna. Here, yeah, good. good. So here's what we're gonna. You sound good too. Just keep the mic close to your mouth. Um, so here's what we're gonna do. We've got. Uh, there was an article that came out, and Julie, I sent that to you, so you, you're the better reader than me. <laughs> yep. Okay, good. So there's an article that came out. Right, exactly, it's on Wolf Street. So there's an article that came out that Julie's going to read to you. Julie, while I'm talking, why don't you scan it because you can skip some of the meat and potatoes of it that might not be relevant since it was off of a, uh, you know, a stock analyst site. But still, it'd be worth, you know, what I'm saying. Yeah. So we yep. don't want to bore our listeners. But but here's the gist of it, guys. So iBuyers. What we're going to be talking about today is we're going to talk about essentially the reality of iBuyers. And we're going to talk about uh, – we're going to use actual numbers. And we're going to, we're going to share with you a very comprehensive research uh, paper that just came out about Zillow's iBuyer program. And we're going to then um, tell you – and we've done a series of podcasts on how to compete with iBuyers. We did our original one, I think. It was early 2018 or maybe mid-2017. I don't remember when they first started coming out. I believe it was 2017. And we actually wrote an, uh, an, a white paper back then on how to compete with iBuyers. I might try to find that, and then we'll include it with today's show as well. But our conclusion was the iBuyers would change the paradigm of how people thought about uh, buying and selling real estate, and that the industry – this is our conclusion from over a year ago, two years ago perhaps – and the industry's only countermeasure against the perception that uh, you know, essentially there should be more options in the traditional way of buying and selling real estate, that our industry had to offer an iBuyer-type program as an individual large brokerages. So I'm going to say that again because it's kind of confusing, but here's really the bottom line. If you walk into a seller's house and the seller is competing or talking to Open Door and talking to Zillow and talking to whoever else has decided to you know, get into the ugly buyer space, and you guys are about to learn how ugly it is, which is – this article is hilarious. But in any event, um, so if you're sitting in front of a seller and they're asking about these iBuyer companies and you have no countermeasure – and you have no way of competing with them. In other words, they say, do you offer something similar? And you say, I don't. You're going to probably lose that listing, or at least you're going to, ex- uh, you're going to increase the likelihood of losing the listing because that seller is still going to you know, do the dance with the iBuyer type companies. And we all know, any of you guys who have been in the marketplaces where we see these iBuyer companies active, they're good at getting their foot in the door, and then they renegotiate, 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 and then the end seller ends up selling – for um, maybe an egregious price. But here's something interesting I've seen, and then Julie is going to read the article. Here's something interesting I've seen from hearing from all of you guys about the iBuyers, uh, our podcast listeners, and also our coaching clients. And this is weird. I have a theory, but it's not yet proven out, but I suspect <laughs> it will be. We think that the iBuyers have actually been overpaying uh, for houses, not intentionally. And um, I'll tell you an example. I had a coaching call with someone who lives in the Inland Empire, and he got a lead to go out and meet with a seller. The seller had already talked to Zillow, 
about uh, their iBuyer program. Um, so Gary looked at the offer that they made and looked at all the numbers and then essentially told them that he could not net them that same price. And if I remember correctly, they were actually um, going to write him a, write the seller a check for something like $20,000 more than what it ever would have sold for on the best day on the market. In other words, they were overpricing the house. They were overpaying for what they were paying for the house. And Gary just sort of laughed and said, you guys should definitely take it because this is a great deal for you. That's called having integrity, by the way. So he told them that, and they ended up doing that. And um, there's been lots of other uh, anecdotal pieces of information that have come out that have proven how horribly wrong these iBuyer companies are at buying houses. They're overpaying. Well, here's the theory that I have. Um, so Zillow in particular is sending out agents to do an, what it amounts to a CMA on particular houses. I bet, though I'm not sure about this, I bet – that the agent who's sent out to do the CMA is also thinks that they're in play to get that listing when, if they were to buy it and put it back for sale. And it's possible that that agent is not necessarily doing the most drilled down research project on that uh, you know, CMA, or and they're not familiar with the property, or and they're not familiar with doing CMAs. I mean, any of those scenarios are good. But these were just all anecdotal pieces of evidence because the iBuyer thing from the surface seems like an absolutely horrible um, you know, business to be in, it, a mom and pop or, you know, someone there monitoring all the expenses the way it's traditionally been done, house flipping I'm talking about, that has even become somewhat of a dubious business as uh, house prices have gotten too expensive. And then we have this really comprehensive report. Julie? Yes, good tee up for that. So, all right, over to that. The title is, quote, House Flipper Zillow Lost 109,000 or 37% per flip, lost 37% per flip. Net loss triples, but the shares store, shares soar, sorry. Uh, so it says, but this new and horrendous house flipping operation inflated revenues more than expected. So here's the story. Zillow, which has generated an unbroken series of annual losses as a public company since its IPO in 2011, has figured out how to lose even more money, a lot more money, and at the same time boost revenues and get its shares to jump. House flipping. In its quarterly earnings report Thursday evening, Zillow disclosed the dollars and cents of its newest enterprise, which is called Zillow Offers, that uh, Zillow Offers buys and sells homes. The company describes this as, quote, a new hassle-free way to buy and sell homes directly through Zillow. The report splits out the business segments, including the home segment, which is the house flipping operation. Now, here's where it gets the nitty-gritty. I love that these are actual numbers. This is not speculation. This is what actually happened. Okay. So the revenues, costs, and expenses associating with buying and selling the house are booked on the income statement in the quarter in which the sale of the house closes. So we're going to look at the quarter that ended March 31st. Okay, 414 homes were sold. Sales proceeds added $128 million to revenues for an average selling price of $310,400 per home. The purchase cost of these homes added $122 million to the cost of sales for an average purchase price of $295,000 per home. This amounts to an average gross profit, which is selling price minus the purchase cost of a meager $14,700 or 4.9% per flip. Now, that's just the selling price minus the purchase cost. All of our listeners know there's more to the picture. It costs money to buy homes, to prepare them to actually flip, to market them, financing, you know, carrying the financing until they're sold, and then deal with the transactions. So, uh, so 
excuse me, Zillow booked the following expenses associated with its home flipping operations. $20 million in sales and marketing expenses, $12 million in technology and development expenses, $14 million in general and admin expenses, $3.8 million in, quote, segment interest expenses. So the revenue was $128 million from selling the homes minus, okay, remember that number, $128 million from selling minus $173 million in costs and expenses for a loss on its home flipping operation of, you know, only $45.2 million. I, whenever I read this, I always think, like, I don't think we could run our business like that. I don't know a lot of businesses that could. <laughs> Okay, and like, I, I, I just, I wonder what that their bookkeeper and their accountant is thinking when they do those numbers. So this loss of $45.2 million was on 414 home flips. That means, this is staggering, that Zillow lost 109190 per flip on average. I mean, some of you guys sell houses where the whole house is 109000 Zillow lost 37% on each flip on average. In other words, this is a pretty horrendous business. But it performed miracles because the sales of those homes, a business activity Zillow didn't engage in a year ago, added $128.5 million to their revenue. I'm going to put quotes, air quotes around revenue. This consisted, I'm sorry, this constituted three quarters of the total revenue increase of $154 million, or 51%, to $454 million in total revenue for the quarter. So due to the loss in its home flipping business, Zillow's total loss, total loss soared by 263%. In other words, a 51% increase in revenue caused its quarterly loss to soar by 263% to $67.5 million. This lost amount, loss amounts to a stunning 15% of revenues. Okay, and then the article goes on to talk about the fact that Zillow is not a startup. It's got 4,000 people working there. Well, Julie, read it's it. It's been publicly read traded. It. Okay, since Go it's ahead. been publicly traded since 2011, it's been on an acquisition binge buying all, all sorts of other companies, and now it's figured out a way to lose a lot more money. But Zillow is apparently not yet losing enough money, so it's going to keep expanding the ruinous home flipping operation from the eight metropolitan areas at the end of March to more markets to boost its revenues and its losses. In home flipping, there are a few economies of scale, so we're looking to see forward to seeing a beautiful cascade of losses. Uh, in other words, Trevor wrote this article was basically saying, you know, where else is there to even find an economy of scale? Everybody knows how the money works, and they've already proven the losses, so it's just going to get worse. Because revenues jumped like this, no matter, uh, no matter that this caused Zillow's losses to more than triple, here's the shocking thing. Shares soared 19% in evening training on these, quote, better than expected. That's shocking, right? That was actually better than expected revenues. And the prospect that Zillow will expand its ruinous home flipping operation to many more markets and boost its losses even further. Friday at about noon, some of the excitement of after-hours trading has tapered off and shares are up 8% and heading down. When a stock market rewards companies that have always lost money, such as Zillow, for coming up with a new way of losing even more money, it takes the incentive away for management to build a functional, profitable business model. And it shows to what extent this market and the entire hype machine around it are twisted. So that was an interesting article about, yeah. Well, let's, so let's, at, let's level off. Yeah, drill down on that. Let, let's level Let's level off. So we have – what do we know from that article? We know that we are – everything we've already known, right? The iBuyer companies are focusing on houses that are about $300,000. So does that mean that those of you who are selling more expensive areas 
won't have uh, the, the iBuyer thing to contend with, not necessarily, because obviously as they scale up operations, there's going to be only so many viable markets in the country that they can really get any market share. And then, you know, obviously they're then going to think about going up market. So I would not just write this off because you're selling expensive houses. Now, if you're selling weird rural property that's out in the middle of nowhere, you know, then, yeah, you have probably no worries. But here's really what's interesting to me about this whole thing is that so some agents, and I see these articles and I see these uh, responses and I read comments, and you know, you guys don't understand that a publicly traded company like that does not ha- is not traded on its actual profit like your company was. Julie, Julie touched on this. It's traded on the revenue. It doesn't make sense. That's the problem is that a lot of you, and I get it, trust me, a lot of you are banging your heads against the wall saying, how does it make sense? that a company that's never made a profit, a company that continues to lose money, and according to this article, a company that seems to be like they are expert money losers, is in essence what they are, and Not they lose tens of millions either. of dollars. That, that report, yeah. that, was just, that was just on one quarter of yeah. reporting. Yep. And so the, um, what, we, what you're going to see and what we are seeing is this is a – Zillow exists because of its stock value and, not, and its ability to generate revenue. And then the forward – the belief that – now, so the uh, someone would argue, oh, Tim, you're just naive. You don't understand how the stock market works. You know, They would say Zillow is basically going to displace agents, and it's going to be the new center hub for all things real estate in the future. And the stock market value is based on the expectation that it's going to – You know, we're, we're uh, assuming that it's going to be worth more. It's called multiples, guys, and what happens is like a normal – uh, I don't know what their multiple is. Julie, can you Google that real quick? What, what yeah. you know, Zillow is trading yep. multiple. But what normally happens is like if a company is a normal company that's been around forever, it might trade for three or five times its multiple. So if it earns a dollar, the belief is the company might be worth, uh, you know, one to three. I'm sorry, three to five dollars or something like that. Well, Zillow has been able to. Uh, kind of paint this picture that they are worth way more than other real estate companies are, even though they're absolutely not. So the – and again, I read these articles, and sometimes I've, I've listened to a couple of the earning calls that Zillow's, Zillow does, and I listen to the questions that the stock analysts uh, will ask, and they really do not know our industry. They don't understand, for example, that you cannot ever displace realtors because of the fact that the state license laws exist. You never are going to be able to get rid of in every single state – the existing structure where there's going to be required to be a license. And when there's a license required, you're going to have to essentially operate your real estate practice in a certain way. I'll I'll give you another little for example, and you guys need to start paying attention to this. Zillow's uh, co-marketing agreements that they were doing between mortgage companies and agents, and those of you who are buying buyer leads, you know what I'm talking about. Your, uh, some mortgage company was, or mortgage loan officer was somehow subsidizing your home buying leads, then he got the mortgage leads, that type of situation. Turns out a lot of people believe that actually was a, um, a federal, uh, basically they broke the law. And there's, and I know there's some, uh, how do I say this delicately? I know for a fact that there's research that's being done right now about whether or not they did violate – the conclusion is that they did, and there's going to be more lawsuits that we have heard about that are going to start erupting around the violation of the – now, how will those get resolved? There will be some big check written. There will be some hands that are slapped, and there will be some things like that, and it will you know, be a big, expensive 
okay, does that have any relevance to the stock value? Probably not. I don't think the stock market will really care. Does it have any relevance to your real estate business? Well, if you've been buying buyer leads and you've been expecting loan officers to help subsidize your buying of buyer leads, I would say, yes, it does affect your real estate business. But more, what really is relevant here is what we're seeing and what the industry, what individual agents who are our focus need to understand is the iBuyer uh, business is incredibly unprofitable. Uh, we don't know the numbers on the other iBuyer companies that you guys might be seeing in your marketplaces because they're not publicly traded. But we can assume that Zillow's got its act together and probably is the least worst of all of these companies. So if you were to ever actually see Open Doors and all these others, there's an excellent chance that their numbers are just as egregious in terms of the amount of money that they're losing. But, Tim, how can they stay in business? Well, Zillow stays in business. Because the hype machine, is, as this guy says, are essentially pushing the stocks to the stock itself to higher and higher valuations, under the belief that it's going to be some sort of you know incredible future business. They, and is that true? I don't see how it is, because Zillow's only source of profit forever has been selling buyer leads to agents. And that business is, uh, because of something called churn, has proven out not to be a great business, and so that's the reason they got into the iBuyer space. The new CEO was interviewed, and I posted this on our website, timandjulieharris.com, and he basically said they never wanted to get into the selling buyer leads business. They always wanted to try to figure out how to disintermediate the realtor and do what they're doing now. But the unfortunate truth for them was that they couldn't figure out how to do it back then, and now they're going through this iBuyer buyer uh this i buyer process and they're losing even, even more money and will they be able to continue to stack up the losses the belief is that they won't and so here's what we're seeing the guy that um you guys remember the big short um the guy that was played by steve carell i think his name is um if you remember that movie so that guy's a real person and he he basically was interviewed on uh bloomberg the other day and you guys can Google this. And he basically said that's his personal biggest short is Zillow. So all these very uh, well, I, I guess, placed investors uh, are starting to basically place shorts on Zillow as a stock, which means they're betting on Zillow's stock value to fall. So when Zillow's stock value falls, what does that do to their iBuyer business? Well, obviously, then their iBuyer business will not be doing so well because they'll run out of money. Now, what happens to the other companies? The other companies who are all pacing to try to, I'm sure, go public, that's got to be their um, ultimate plan, they're being funded right now by investors. The investors are saying, well, hell, this, our investment, even though we're probably losing, I don't know, I don't see their numbers, but I can assume they're losing, num uh, losing massive amounts of money like Zillow is. The iBuyers, uh, you know, the open doors and whatnot, they uh, have to be wanting to go public. And that means that the investors then get paid back at some multiple and make a profit. Ideally, the whole thing works. So the question will then become, if Zillow uh, cannot make a profit, well, how will these other iBuyer companies be valued if they are, if, when they decide to go public and they start having to show their numbers, if they too are shown as um, losing large amounts of money? I think what we're going to see – and it only makes sense is the iBuyer space in general is going to evolve to something much smaller, but it's going to be seen as just another trend, like selling buyer leads was a trend, like you know big teams was a trend, like expansion teams was a trend, like all these other trends in real estate. And I think the pendulum is going to swing back to the traditional business model. Now, agents, you have to be weary in the meantime because – you're going to have to be a lot smarter about how to educate your sellers about the realities of how these iBuyers work. And in some cases, like I told you, 
you're going to find that the I buyers are actually overpaying for a house. Do the ethical thing, <laughs> and I'm being facetious here, but let the I buyers take the loss. And, you know, if you can't net the seller the same amount of money, well, that's one less transaction for you, but it's the right thing to tell that seller to take that offer. So, Julie, did you find that number by chance? I am waiting through a whole bunch of numbers right now trying to find that for you. <clears throat> Don't worry about it. It doesn't, so it doesn't matter that much. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. really matter. Right. Yeah. The the thing is, is that I know, like when you look at, like here's the other thing I hear agents saying. Again, agents that don't have, they're not, they're not well read or researched. They'll say, for example, like, well, how is it that you know Zillow is trading for you know say ten times earnings, whereas like Remax only trades for this? Or you'll hear like people will say, you know, EXP stock, for example. Well, how is it that EXP is traded on Nasdaq? How is it it's trading for this and like you know a year ago is trading for that? I'm not a stock guy, but I'm going to answer the obvious. Give you guys the obvious answer. All these things trade in a group. So what you'll see is you'll see all the real estate companies. They all go up and they all go down uh, in a predictable fashion. Well, predictable in that you can surmise that if one of the real estate companies goes, one of the big ones has uh, a fluctuation up or down in their stock, you'll see it reflecting in the other, uh, the other major brands. So they all sort of trade in the same sort of predictable uh, you know, pattern, the same predictable lane, okay? So then if Zillow is a real estate company, which, by the way, they're still not saying they're a real estate company, but if Zillow is a real estate company, and they're not trading in that predictable lane. If they're not trading for the same multiples as traditional real estate businesses, and they're trading for something different, even though they are, in essence, you know, acting as if they were a traditional real estate business, which you can, guys can see how that's going to be hypothetically very conflicting with regards to state laws. Why are they not, if they're buying and selling real estate, if they're essentially advertising real estate, if they're talking about real estate prices, if they're giving mortgage referrals, if they're, oh, I know, they must be a real estate broker. Why aren't they licensed in all 50 states? And I'm sure that's what's going to happen next. They're probably going to buy some bro brokerage or they're going to do something like that. That only makes sense to me. They're going to have to because they're going to get massive amounts of pressure from regulators who are saying, why are you guys acting as if when you're not? So that's going to be something I'm sure we'll, everyone will be, oh, they promised they would never get into the real estate business. Well, they already have a brokerage license in Arizona, okay? So they are in the real estate business. But that's the side. When Zillow actually is valued uh, like the rest of the segment is that they should – actually be considered to be part of, you're then going to see the whole Zillow story is going to evaporate because then they're not going the, – the whole like, – for some reason, Wall Street, because I really don't think they understand the business that Zillow's in, they look at these, the money that Zillow's pulling in, the revenues. Look, if I gave any of you guys $100 million to go out and buy a bunch of damn houses – and with those houses, it didn't matter whether you made a profit or a loss on it. How would it, you have any problem whatsoever doing that? I mean, that's not a difficult thing to do. Well, then you add complexity of the fix-ups and the this is and the other things. I mean, you can see how this is the house I buyer business model. It's incredibly complicated. It's going to always be incredibly complicated. They're going to use that as an excuse to uh, stack up additional losses. Uh, promising profitability sometime in the future. Somewhere down the road, we're going to start making money. They didn't make money with the um, – I mean, they made revenue, but they didn't make any profit selling leads to agents. I want you guys to realize that you cannot think of Zillow as anything other than a, essentially a confusion machine when it comes to working directly with sellers. That's what the, the Z estimate's been for many of you. That's what – you know they're a confusion machine when it came to essentially – it, it, here's a really fun thought I've always had. 
And when you go to Zillow's website, though if you haven't noticed, they've actually started to change this, and you go to a listing, maybe it's one of your listings for sale, and you guys know what I'm going to say, and there's an agent up there who's basically being positioned to look like they're the listing agent for that particular house, you know, the premier agent. They're showing as if they were the ones representing the house. That is intentionally designed to fool the consumer into believing that's the listing agent. You cannot say that that's not designed to make the – how do I know that? Because they have scripts that they give to premier agents on how to overcome the pissed-off consumer who then contacts that premier agent with the expectation that's the listing agent. They actually wrote scripts to give to the agents on how to overcome that – essentially that seller who felt like they were bait-and-switched. You guys get that, or that buyer other? You guys understand that? If you were to do that, what I just described, as an agent or a broker, you're going to do exactly what they did. Oh, Tim, we have that already. It's called IDEX. Yes, but when you're doing IDEX feeds, do you make it look like they're your listings? No, you guys almost – look, how does the industry do it? Featured listings or my listings, and then basically everything else. You have differentiated on your website what goes where. You've even done that on the big brokerage sites. If you go to like Remax.net or .com, you'll see all the Remax listings come up first and then all the others. The industry operates with the expectation that we're going to show you all the listings, but we're not going to act like they're not – we're not going to act like our competitors' listings or our listings. Zillow doesn't do that, do they? And yet the industry still – you guys, agents, I'll tell you though ultimately at the root of this – is uh, the brokers out there not being willing to tell the agents the truth about not buying buyer leads because the brokers either didn't know any better or, frankly, they didn't know how to teach agents to actually go after business and be proactive with their own lead generation. And that's led to a monster like Zillow who's now, as I said, become the ultimate confusion machine in the real estate space, but we're going to start seeing that play out. And I do believe thoroughly that the pendulum is going to start swinging back in, in favor of you know, the industry and the traditional model. If the industry is going to essentially be stronger than it's ever been before. Agents are going to be more valued than they've ever been before. And, you know, the one upside of all this technology that's been infused into real estate over the last, you know, maybe 15 years, our agents are going to be better able to, uh, to compete than ever before. The idea that, you know, you can be in this industry as an individual practitioner. You can get your real estate license. The tools that you have available to you right out of the gates are part and parcel because of the competition that came from companies like Zillow over the, since the real estate crash, since, say, 2007. All these new tools that you guys mostly get for free or at essentially prices that are just nothing are brilliant are incredible, and just all the basic stuff that you can actually uh, you know, leverage. I'm thinking of eXp and all the tools they give agents just for being an agent, KW, uh, KV Core and all these other things. You get all those types of technologies. None of those would have existed if it hadn't been the fierce competition that came from all the outside companies that entered into the real estate space. So that's, the, that's I think, the upside of what we've seen happen in the past you know, over 12 years. But the moral of the story is, is that more than ever, the future is going to belong to agents that are proactive lead generators, and the agents have their mindset focused on being of service to other people. Primarily, that is your objective in real estate, right? And also, agents who have the skill set and are willing to be proactive prospectors. As long as you're a proactive prospector, 
In other words, you're willing to actually pick up the phone and do the real work. As long as that's your approach to real estate, these technologists are never going to be much of a threat to you. The ones that the agents that will be replaced are the ones that are easily replaceable by the technology. So if a buyer sees, well, you know, has the choice of working with you, or has the choice of going directly, you know, to some Redfin type situation where they just go directly to the listing agent, that's what it amounts to. And you haven't instilled in that buyer that you are worthy of the money that they would have to pay to have you represent them. Well, then you deserve to fail because you have not done your job of producing, uh, making yourself into something that they want to have part of the transaction they're willing to pay for. Doesn't that make sense? And for so long, the industries, especially on the buyer side, and again, this is, I think Zillow's going to, you know, it, it's counterintuitive to think that Zillow is going to start doing what Redfin did with regards to the commissions on the buyer sides. But I think it's nat- a natural progression of where a lot of these companies are going to be forced to go, where they're going to stop paying buyer's agents commissions as an entitlement. Because what's going to happen is, is they're going to have to produce some resemblance of a path towards profitability. And one of the easy buttons to do is go out and do some iBuying, you know, buy a bunch of houses, put them on your website, and do a price with buyer's agent commission, which will obviously show the sell or show the buyer that the house is going to cost more and without. In other words, there'll be a price if you come to us directly and there'll be a price that if you bring your own representation, if you bring your own representation and you want us to pay for it, this is how much it's going to cost. That is what I'm sure all these companies are going to have to do. And you know what? They'll get away with it. It goes back to what Julie and I have been saying forever. You're going to have to learn how to be a proactive lead generator. You're going to have to learn how to go after your own business. You're going to have to master the art of actually being someone who is a proactive lead generator. If you're not, if you're going to be like most agents and you're going to be dependent on these technologists, these technologists are going to slowly and painfully put you out of business. To the point where it's not, some of you are already there. It doesn't even make sense for you to be in real estate, some of you. If you were to actually drill down and do some math on what you're getting paid, those of you who are buying leads have maybe egregious broker splits or are paying referral fees to this company and that company. You don't – look, you should sit down seriously. Add up the number of hours that you spend in the real estate business, not just in front of a buyer or seller, but all the time preparing to be in front of a buyer or seller, and do the division as to what you actually get paid. Most of you are getting paid less than 20 bucks an hour, and you'd be better off working at Home Depot. I say that, <clears throat> and I'm not even joking. It's true. You know, Most of you are, don't realize – that you are not making any profit and you're actually this real estate thing for you because you're unwilling to learn the skills yourself, because you're unwilling to make it so that no one can ever make you irrelevant, because you're unwilling to actually do the real work, then you know what? You aren't going you won't make any profit and for most of you you're gonna be like zombies in the industry. That's the unfortunate truth. The only thing you really can do, and I keep on going back to this, is you have to basically realize that you have to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, which means you're personally going to have to overcome all the mental and emotional obstacles that you have about being a proactive lead generator and taking this business seriously. That's the way you fight back. Ultimately, you fight back by making yourself worthy of winning, and so many of you are not in that position now. So listen, this was not the topic we had prepared for today. 
I really love that article. It was really well written, kind of funny. I thought you would appreciate it. If you guys want to uh, receive one of our books, and we have Real Estate Treasure Map, we have Think and Grow Rich Real Estate, 12-Month Lead Generation Plan. We've made it very easy for you. I actually think the iBuyer book is part of this cap- uh, part of this collection of books that we give you. Just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Text the word Harris to 31996. And, uh, yeah, we'll email you. Actually, you will digitally send you immediately upon scheduling a call with uh, one of our free coach, with one of our new member coaches. We'll give you a download link for all those books. Make sure you download Real Estate Treasure Map first because that's the fill-in-the-blank business plan. If you guys need us for anything, I'm gonna give, I did this the other day, and it actually I, I really enjoyed the responses I got. You can text me at 512-758-0206. Again, if you guys want to you know, add to, subtract from what we just talked about on today's show, if you have any suggestions for podcasts, if you want to talk to me about coaching or if you want to talk to me about some of you or most of you are in the position of thinking about switching brokerages, if you want to talk with me about that, just text me directly, 512-758-0206. In the meantime, if you'd like to speak with one of our new member coaches and download those books, Text the word Harris to 31996. Text the word Harris to 31996. You have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time... Thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.